Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennigan, and we've got uh, some couple very special guests. Of course, we have Frank Selby. And, uh, Frank, we got recently back from Alaska, but we're looking forward to our trip in Baja in September. And uh, we're going to mention also that I'm trying to finalize a Cuba trip. It looks like it's going to be December 1st where we're going to take a 72-foot luxury fishing yacht and drive it over to Cuba from Florida. And it has a maximum of 10 people, and I think we've probably got four or five of them already filled up. So you guys pay attention. We'll get some more information up on the website shortly. But, uh, Tom, um, good to have you on, of course. And why don't you tell us real quickly in the introduction about uh, what you're doing. And Well, John, I, I, I think... Part of the introduction would be um, I helped kick off your first radio show, and it must be going back 15 years ago. I, I think it was more it like co-host. I, I think it was 18. You, I, and uh, Mike Moropoulos, you, know, you were the only one that had any uh, media experience at all. <laughs> I never even had a microphone in front of my face. And I have and to look admit, at you now. <laughs> I mean, it was, well, it was, you know, people liked it. It was very local, that's for sure. People yeah. liked it, but. Uh, uh, really wasn't all that good, <laughs> but uh, um, it, you know. Hopefully, we've learned a few things along the way. But uh, your your position now, we've only got about uh, about a minute. But what are you doing right now? I run the Sport Fishing Conservancy. We're um, a conservation fishing organization, making sure that there's a lot of fish out there and that we still have a, a chance to go out and catch a few of them. Yeah, that's that's the long and the short of it. Um, we've got a lot of projects going on, but we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, well, there's a lot of controversy about how to do that. Um, heaven knows our, our oceans are being, uh, and, and freshwater are being um, uh, yeah, attacked by many different things. But uh, we'll, maybe we'll get into that. I'm sure we will a little bit later, maybe in this segment or in the, or in the second hour. But uh, right now we have to take a three-minute break. So you guys stay right where you're at, and we'll be right back with you. ago a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable non-skid and wouldn't mark the decks today these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers motors professional guides and charter captains go to softscience.com to see more soft science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support several styles come in all sizes enjoy the soft science shoe in the water and out check them out at softscience.com it's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. 
If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and uh, let me just uh, kind of, <laughs> I don't always like to be political, but I express my opinion. Uh, the Native Americans mostly were hunter-gatherers, and they had a lot of respect for Mother Earth, uh, and they understood that you can't just kill all of something and then have it again the next year. Uh, they, you know, they were nomadic, but they were always very protective. And I believe that the hunters and anglers that we have today are very similar to that. You know, the, you know, the true sportsmen are probably our most uh, the front line of conservation. And with that being said, uh, Tom Raptican, um that's primarily what you do is try and protect our our fish and game and, and make and keep the waters clean. That's the Sport Fishing Conservancy. You know, conservancy, conservation, I've, I've always felt that that was the wise use of resources. Mm-hmm. How do we uh, enjoy resources today, yet also ensure, and I do mean ensure, that they are there for future generations, for our kids mm-hmm. and our kids' kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we aim to do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think when you look back, um, Native American population was... was uh, uh, was was very limited across the vast expanse, and I think when you take a look at something like uh, uh, California, which is a as a microcosm, uh, you know, 1870, the California Fish and Game Commission was put together, and it was basically to manage abundance, 
And and the problem that we have today is that with 40 million people in California, it's it's not managing abundance. It, it's how do you ensure that there is a future for these resources? Mm-hmm. And they and it comes down to very very difficult uh, decisions now on that. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, how do we exercise caution and make sure that we've got. Uh, resources out in the future, yet still be able to take and and use them today, and and that's really what we do. Um, well, in California, is particularly um, um, in, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, controversial. Um, in a, in particular, the use of the water, <laughs> and that uh, you know, in Santa Barbara County. Uh, they release a lot of water into the San Inez River to try and sustain a steelhead population. And, you know, I have mixed feelings on that, but uh, it's a matter of how to best utilize it. And the Delta, there's a lot of water that just flows right into the ocean that doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be that way. And then they, you know, the way they divert water in California for different reasons and you know, a lot of people think that has something to do with the, uh, with the terrible wildfires that we've been having, is that there's not enough water flowing the creeks because the creeks have been uh, lined with concrete, and uh, um, they're building right next to the creeks where there used to be forested areas, that is, uh, you know, it's causing part well, of the problems. Well, and wetlands too, and I think mm-hmm. that's a major thing, and in particular in the delta, the problem in the delta is not necessarily the water going to the ocean or where it's going. Um, first of all. You know, there clearly are water shortages in California through the drought. But the other thing is, when you look at the Delta, and I think exactly what you were getting to, John, is is the channelization of the of the Delta. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to sustain a population of forage when everything is simply, you know, concrete. Now, it, there, it's not really concrete; it's mm-hmm. rock lined. Mm-hmm. But you've got a levee system there that, that that shunts water directly from the river into the bay, into the ocean. Whereas going back uh, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, certainly 100 and 150 years ago, those were all marshlands. Mm-hmm. And right now, those those lands are, you know, you've got levees and you've got mm-hmm. farming down what were once the marshlands. And that loss of that area to forage, I think, is the major impediment to uh, the ecosystem in the Delta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Frank, you've been quiet. Well, because I didn't want to have an argument with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's and okay. Tom, we like that. You be honest, We too. like that. Okay. He said the Indians were really the first they used to rape the land and then they would move on they would kill everything off and they would move on and give it a chance to grow back but they were not conservation because they killed and ate everything they could when it was gone out of that area they moved Mm -hmm. am i right or wrong tom Frank, I don't think the human race would be here unless we all practiced that initially. And I, I think yeah. that was kind of what I was getting to going back, you know, millennia. You could do that because populations weren't that large. But That's right. Look around the state of 40 million people or a country at over 230 million people. It cuts down that ability to, uh, to simply, you know, kill them all and then move on to the next area because mm-hmm. there's 
too many of us moving on. And, yeah. and the thing is, we're, our tools are so much better today yeah. than they were back then. So, right. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of agreeing with you, in, but but in one way and disagree in the other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well hey, you know, hey uh, look at how do how do we manage today? And and that's you know, and it's a difficult issue. Uh, yeah. You have so many more people and. You know, you just look at the evolution of tools, and I don't care whether you're talking about fishing or hunting, but it, it just in the last 50 years, I mean, GPS has done amazing things. It makes, uh, you know, I can remember as a, as a young man, you know, we'd strike out on one side of a mountain, and it's like, oh, you know, I better, you know, find the water so I can get downhill to get back out of here. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, it just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Okay. Uh, hey, Frank and uh, 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 Tom, we have another guest coming on. I'd like to introduce, or maybe I'll let Dennis introduce, Dennis Foster, who has Dakota Pheasant. He's Dakota Pheasant Hunting Guide, and he is um, in South Dakota. And, Dennis, I guess you caught a, a glance of what we started off talking about. But I know that uh, Tom is an avid hunter and, you know, Frank's a world-class fly angler. So, and hunter. And hunter. So why don't you give us a little bit of an idea, Dennis, about you and your operation? Okay. Uh, I'm somewhat unique here in South Dakota as we do have, you know, an awful lot of fully guided uh, pheasant hunting services. I do that as well as it's filled the need for the self-guided guys. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys out there that, that do have good dogs and do have experience. They just don't have access to decent uh, land with good habitat, and mm -hmm. uh, I provide that for them. Basically, we get in the ground and uh, just turn them loose. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, the areas that you hunt is it uh, uh, is it private land, national forest, or state lands, or you know normally when you find these, what usually where do you hunt? What what, what is that's, the land? Uh, that's a good question. This is mainly ag land in my area, so it's all one hundred percent private land. Uh -huh. So you just get permits or you get leases on the land. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm actually up to probably two hundred thousand acres right now. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you know, I'm not familiar with that part of the country, but when I think of pheasants, I think of cornfields and maybe green fields. Um, but uh, give us a quick idea. You know, as far as a pheasant, we're going to take a break in a, in a minute or two, and we'll come back and spend some more time with you. Um, but what if, you know? What where do you find these pheasants? The, the the majority of them are in the eastern part of South Dakota, which is more ag land. So it's it's ag land mixed with some some rangeland, but the majority of it is ag land. So mm -hmm. a lot of what we hunt are uh, edges, sloughs, you know, CRP that type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you have grain fields and corn fields back there? Oh yeah, the vast majority of the land is is tilled and you know it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, I know you do other stuff we're going to talk to when we get back. Um, I know you do upland birds also, don't you? We, if you get towards the western part of the state, that yeah. turns into more rangeland, and we yeah. do have uh, sharp-tailed grouse out there, and there yeah. are a few Hungarian parks. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I went upland bird hunting, and I decided that wasn't for me, crawling over rocks. And, <laughs> and it, was, it was not fun. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, one nice thing. All of our terrain is easily transversible. Yeah. You know, but it's, uh, okay. I get that's a common question I get. You know, okay? right. 
may not be in top, top physical condition. It's yeah. still a doable okay. deal. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk to Dennis Foster, um, and uh, we'll give some information on him. It, he has a uh, – it's uh, – He's a, a pro walleye fisherman, angler, hunter, and it's DakotaPheasantHuntingGuide.com. Said a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos del Mar. Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month, and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com, and start getting your packages every month. This is John, and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal, and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. 
This is John Hannigan, and we got a party going on. Uh, of course, we have our co-host, our perennial host, sometimes co-host, uh, Frank Selby, a world-class uh, fly fishing angler. And we have... Uh, Tom Raftikin, who uh, operates the, well, I don't know, he's, he, he says he's with them, but I think he's a little bit more than just with them, is the Nature Conservancy. and uh, The Sport Fishing sport, Conservancy. Sport Fishing Conservancy, I'm so sorry. And then we also have Dennis Foster, who is in South Dakota, and he the website is dakotapheasantguide.com, is that correct? That would be it. There you go. There you go. But anyway, if we, we, we were talking about pheasant before we uh, before we went uh, off. But let's change it a little bit to um, something else, either different kind of hunting or different kind of fishing. Okay, up in uh, our neck of the woods, walleye is king. You know, people think of Minnesota, but quite frankly, I feel our fishing here in, in both Dakotas is just as good, if not better. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what drives that is the Missouri River Reservoir is most notable. In South Dakota is Lake Hawaii, and in North Dakota, which is on fire right now, it's oh. Takalia. You uh, too, huh? Where yeah. uh, bigger fish on the walleye side. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not from, I've never caught a walleye. I've never even fished for a walleye. And if there's anybody else like me out there or the ones that really do know about it, can you give a, a, just a little bit of information on how to do it and where you find them? Well, you know, typically if there's a stereotypical uh, view of, of walleye fishing, it's dragging like bait around, you know, hence the Lindy rig. So forth, uh, bottom bouncers and are basically getting a weight and some sort of live bait at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But being part of the tournament scene for many years, there's been a lot of secrets unlocked. And quite frankly, you don't need bait of any kind to, to catch these fish, whether it's pulling crankbaits and trolling type things. Throwing them, uh, digging different baits has become real in vogue as of late. A lot of these techniques were born on the Great Lakes. There's mm-hmm. very sophisticated anglers there. So basically, you know, if you're good at any other kind of fishing, you can, you yeah. can, you can apply that. Well, I, I have a question for you. We recently got back, Frank and I, from uh, Ketchikan, Alaska. And before we went up, Frank was taking his fly rods. He said, I'm going to catch a halibut on a fly rod. And I go, well, Frank, if anybody can do it, I'm sure you can, but lots of luck. <laughs> and lots of line. <laughs> and lots of line. Well, of course, he got his uh, halibut on a fly line. And uh, the guy that runs the promotions up there, I asked him, I says, um, said, uh, Mike, when's the last time you saw someone get, get a halibut on a fly line? And he said, um, never. <laughs> and he's been up there 10 years. But anyway, uh, so the question is, I'm sure Frank wants to know, is, or he probably does know, is it different types of fishing? Uh, do people, you know, do you, Frank, have you ever caught a, a walleye on a fly? Yep. Yep. There's only a couple of species I haven't taken, and they're on my bucket list. Yeah. Okay. You know, something uh, to note there, too, is particularly right now, like Hawaii has, has numerous big trophy pike, meaning northern pike well over 20 pounds. Uh, there's been a couple 30-pound specimens caught this year alone, and and they're accessible in the shallows in the spring of the year when they come up as far. Yeah. Well, piker. prime well, pike are voracious eaters, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they come in, you know, typically how we fish them is uh, is very large dead baits. I mean, they'll, I mean, they're predators, but they'll pick up most anything they come across. Yeah, and they got big sharp teeth that stick out at you. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you throw yellow and black or red and white jigs when you throw? Um, on the pike, a lot of it's a spoon thing. You know, that's a very traditional thing. Uh, you can use swim baits is, is another thing. You know, they're coming in with species work very well, even uh, spinner baits. Mm-hmm. If you get back in cover, very heavy uh, bass, musky type spinner baits. Uh, well, would you mind, uh, Dennis, tell us, uh, you know, you, you mentioned some town's names, but, you know, I'm not familiar with any of that. Give us an idea where you are and what's around you and how long does it take to different spots. Okay. Well, I'm uh, personally located is in the northeast part of South Dakota. Uh, the largest town in our area is 25,000 people, literally the third largest city in the state tells you how rural we are. <laughs> but within 20 miles of there, we actually... We really do have roads, and we do have a few airports, so you can find us. But we're, we're largely rural. You know, I grew up and remained to live in a town of less than 200 people, and I'm quite happy. At times, it's too big for me. <laughs> okay. And then uh, how far do you have to go to, you know, for when you're bird hunting? Or what other kind of hunting besides uh, up birds do you do? Any? Um, we're breaking into a little bit of trophy whitetail hunting just for the simple fact properties are, are so good and we're not utilizing that. And that's on an archery basis. Hmm. And that's an over-the-counter tag so any of the guys can get a tag from, you know, no matter where you're from there. So that's something that, that's going to be new for us and we're going to slowly grow up. We're just getting our feet wet a little bit mm-hmm. and offering it on a limited basis. Well, how many guides do you have or what, what kind of operation? Um, it just depends on the time of the year and in the heat of it. You know, we may have five or six guys going. Mm-hmm. And the majority of it, quite frankly, is, is done by myself in my home location. And, you know, we have the fully guided guys. Mm-hmm. I look at the have over a dozen locations throughout both uh, north and south of the different mm-hmm. locations of the land. Now, when you're, when you're fishing, are you always fishing from a boat or normally on from shore? Or how do you normally go well, after this? To be honest with you, I prefer to fish on the ice. Yeah. Over being in the boat. Yeah. What was that? Frank, are you sneezing? No, not at all. Oh, I heard a noise. Maybe that was Tom. I, I hear it too, but I think it's on the line. Okay. But uh, anyway, Tom, I'm sure you've got some questions for Dennis. Uh, you know, walleye is one of like Frank, uh, is one of the fish that I really i have never fished for. I've got a cousin in Ohio that goes after them all the time. I haven't had the chance to spend any time with them, and I've been listening more very attentively to, to, to kind of get the inside scoop on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it, it's, it's a new fish for me. Um, you know, I, I'm familiar with it, but, but uh, I've never been out there and had the chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when good fishing time, you start in the morning, you work all day, heat of the day. What, what's best for that? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of that depends on the on the body of water. Um, uh-huh. In particular, on Lake Hawaii, where I fish a lot, and we've actually got a tournament circuit started here. I don't think you need to break your neck be out there at daylight. You know, but other bodies of water, it it, it may pay, but I don't think your success hinges on how early you get up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's you know the best. I, Frank, with the Go fly ahead. fishing, you know, you, you wait for the hatch. If the hatch is early or late, you've got a pretty good idea when to be on the water. And I wondered if there was some kind of a secret trick with, with walleye to the same time. Yeah, thing. if there is one thing that is a bit notable is is the sundown bite. I mean, there's a pronounced 
short window and particularly through the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For example, you know, the, the last half hour of the day is always the best, you know, and, and after dark, particularly on the ice. That's when we take all our, our truly big fish. Mm-hmm. Well, you're uh, close to Minnesota, so you fish all year, but uh, uh, when it gets into the wintertime, you do hard water fishing, right? Correct, yeah. We typically see, say, bodies around Thanksgiving first week of December where we can walk on it, and quite often we'll have ice. Uh, we'll have three-foot ice well in date. I got one thing to say. The only thing better in walleye fishing is when you're eating them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are the best. Am I lying? I'm dying. What do you think? That's, that's, that's the big draw, where you see a lot of people that, that may not be that truly avid a fisherman. That's just kind of a passing interest, but then you throw the table fare uh, portion of it in there, and that brings a lot of people out. Well, it seems that they're kind of a firm white meat, aren't they? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly right. They have a flavor all their own. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. And, uh, and interestingly yeah. enough, I don't eat fish. So what I, about yeah. what? what you know, what about trout and bass? Uh, in our area, the the smallmouth bassing is totally overlooked, and they actually did have an elite series stop on Lake Hawaii based out of here, our state capital this year. And uh, that showcased reservoir a little bit. I don't think it even did it enough justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Five-pound fish are not unheard of at all. Mm-hmm. And for being that far north, I mean, that's a heck of a small. Well, I would think that uh, where there, you know, the water would be a little cool for, for bass. But what about trout? Uh, we really don't have a lot of trout. There are some in the Black Hills. Uh, we don't have any, uh, I guess, take that back. There are lake trout in, in one of the, the lakes in the Black Hills, uh, but it's mostly rainbows and ultra stock. Mm-hmm. They're very, very limited as far as trout. Mm-hmm. And besides pheasant, uh, talk a little bit about some of the other bird hunting you do. Uh, pheasant is king by far. I mean, it's, it's literally what what state on the map. Uh, like I say, there are. Uh, sharp-tailed grouse opportunities. Once you get west of the Missouri River, those are cyclical. You know, some years are quite good, and then mm-hmm. we may, you know, not have the greatest okay. of hunting for them for a number of years. Okay. And a limited amount of Hungarian partridge. Okay. Well, but Dennis, we're, we're getting close on time, so let's make sure if anybody's interested uh, in your part of the world, and I suspect that, you know, even if uh, they're not going to come back and fish with you, you could give them some information and some tips. Oh, yeah. definitely, yeah, and I know everybody out here, they need to talk. Yeah, they and that is that that is Dakota, and if you know how to spell pheasant, I misspelled it when I first did it, dakotapheasantguide.com. That's it. And it's a great website you got, by the way, Dennis. Oh, thank you. I worked with some uh, very good people. And they yeah, actually you uh, with us on a media company side. Uh, okay. I also do some television work with Focus Outdoors on television. Okay. Well, looks like we're out of here. Thank you very much for joining us, Dennis. If I hurry, I can beg her to stay. The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the soft science fin fishing shoes and boots and the fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. 
They're lightweight, slip resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Alaskan RV Butler. Guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler. Like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV. View the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife. Or fish for the big one. All while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouth-watering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we do have, of course, uh, Frank Selby, a uh, good friend, and another very good old-time friend of mine is Tom Raptican. Tom, it was uh, when we first started off, uh, you said 10, 12 years ago, for, uh, Tom, I think it was more like 18, but... Uh, uh, anyway, I'm sure flies when you're having fun. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> but when we first started out, there was Mike Moropoulos, who was an outdoor colonist, me, who had uh, never had a microphone in front of my face and never really knew that much about fishing, and then you had a uh, uh, public access television show, so you were uh, at least experienced in media. 
and you know it started off and you know then we slowly began to build and now we're on over 40 broadcast stations in the united states and we got about uh i don't know Probably about half a million people a month that tune in for d- digital radio and broadcast radio. And this month's, uh, no, September, I guess, uh, we're going to go on uh, uh, XM, uh, Sirius XM radio. Cool. So, yeah, it's been it's been a long road. Anyway, um, Tom, I think that you've been a little quiet, but we were started off the show talking about conservation. And there's a lot of controversial things about conservation as people have a lot of different opinions. Um, You know, I believe, you know, first of all, I'm a skeptic. And when people say things like scientists agree, to me, that means absolutely nothing. You know, who are the scientists and what is their background? And it means absolutely nothing. But obviously, we're going through some changes. There's definitely climate change. How much of that um, we have control over, that's the question. Um, I know there's some, but how much? But that's not, that's not the direction I wanted to go. But there is a lot of controversial things. We mentioned about the water usage in California. But uh, why don't you kind of pick it up from there? Uh, just yeah. Why don't we try so, well, maybe religion or something a little less controversial? Well, what um, I was just going to say, Mark Twain is the one who always said that yeah. that uh, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting over. Yeah. And, and he was a resident of California. And, yeah. and I'm, you know, the water policies here, and we're talking fresh water in particular. Yeah. Um, they're excruciating. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got 40 million people. Uh, depending on on a, on a on a regular water supply, and we have resources that also mm-hmm. depend on that same water supply. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think this is an awful lot of what we do. I mean, when I look at something like uh, decommissioning offshore platforms and ensuring that they become artificial reefs, that that constructed habitat is actually some of the has been. And this is you know. Mm-hmm. Um, juried scientists, juried papers, not just this guy says, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, peer-reviewed, mm-hmm. say that it's the highest value marine habitat studied anywhere. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. Period. Okay? So we have that, and, and you know, um, but historically, you know, California has been basically anti-oil, so they want to get them out of there. Yeah. But I, there's, there's extreme elements within the environmental community that, that really honestly do not look at the science on that yep. and say, hey, look, at, you know, we'd really like, we want those out of there. We, you know, they, the agreement was to take them out in the first place. And it's like um, the agreement was made 50 years ago, and yeah, it should be honored, but there is a better way to approach that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and what we have done for quite a while oh, yeah, if is you got, to put if, together the pieces so that that actually works for both sides. Right. So and, that, yeah. you're talking about oil rigs when they become decommissioned. Yeah, you can take them out and take it all the way down to the ocean floor. Um, but quite honestly, a lot of the stuff over 50 years is collected on the ocean floor. It's not, you know, it's not good it's stuff. It's not collected on there. It's grown on there. Yeah, it's, it's, this yeah. is a living organism right. out there. It, I mean, it really is. And and when I say scientist, Dr. Jeremy Cleese, um mm-hmm. Ph.D., graduate of Occidental, you work with Dr. Dan Pondella down there. He's done exquisite work outside. I mean, this is his opening for a paper yep. done looking at all the science on mm-hmm. it. This is 
these are the highest value right. you know, per, per area so, you can, uh, of any habitat studied anywhere, of any habitat studied anywhere in the world. Yeah. That's but, impressive. Right. right. And, well, and, and to say, hey, look, we want to take them out because uh, an agreement made 50 years ago, look, let's, let's look at it differently. And I think this the same thing, you take a look at mm-hmm. whether you're dealing with the Delta or, or whether you're dealing with... Uh, Lake Kachuma and the San Inez River. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we put together things that make sense today? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, conservation is, is there is an evolutionary factor there, mm-hmm. and with more people, more resources, better tools, uh, there's a greater strain on resources. So let's do, uh, let's move where we can to in, again ensure that we've got an adequate future, but at the same time that we have access to those resources today. Well, I'm going to be a little bit political and express my opinion. Um, you know, first of all, I think that that um, in a lot of cases, when you're talking about groups of people, you know, the whole climate and climate change and conservation has become more of a, of a religion. And the people believe what they're going to believe, and you know what, uh, what you know what true science says doesn't make any difference because they're going to believe what they want to believe. But you know, trying to uh, on either side, on either side. Well, yeah, the, the, the other the other thing that bothers me, Tom, is that the climate is going to change with or without mankind. Yep. Uh, we, there is some control that we have. I, I'm not denying that, but it's, it's climate changes. But the, the and, amount- and I think the question is, are those changes uh, anthropogenic in nature? Mm-hmm. Is, is humankind the one that's got their finger on the scale? Right. And I, I think I've done a couple of, you know, they're pretty interesting um, um, shows on public access television. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Osborne's an old friend of mine. Right. Bob, in, in nature, was a CPA, a certified public accountant. Mm-hmm. And and. He's done a lot of work on, on climatology. You know, mm-hmm. going back a lot of years ago, he was in the construction industry and, and did work on passive solar systems. So he's got a tremendous background in, in, in what mm-hmm. you know, what is going on, what actually is going on as far as heat transfer. And he goes, you know, there are rules, there are laws here. You know, uh, radiation convection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, these things govern, and, and you know. Right now, when people speak of climate, we don't have an accurate picture of what drives climate today. No, no, I mean, it's... And and if you don't have an accurate picture of what drives climate today, it's impossible to say what is altering for the future. Right. And and when I approached him on television, what I was trying to do is say, Bob, let's take a look at this, not as a scientist... But as a CPA, you know, when you mm. when you take a look at the information coming forward, you know, how do you 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 know how do you certify the information? And he's going, you know, a lot of the testing on uh, that's going on today. Everybody's, you know, they've jumped to a conclusion that that carbon is the the enemy here. Yet they don't have a model that shows what happens whether or not there's carbon there. Mm-hmm. And, and until you have that model there, you you can't yeah. figure out what what. Hard, well, carbon participates in that end and solution. But, and, and I have to can I, I throw in my two cents? Go ahead, Frank. If you took out just thirty-two percent of the roads, our heat would drop at least fifteen percent. 
<laughs> okay. I don't know. Seriously. I, yeah, it could be. Yeah, could well, be. you, you got black you all over. You need to have the juried science on that. Yeah, and, well. and, 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 you know, and one of the things is it? it is really true is you're talking about roads. You're talking about the surface of, of the earth. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, when, when temperatures measured, it's usually measured. A couple of yeah. meters off and the ground. Said, was that, that Johnny Mitchell? different from what the ground temperature is. That, uh, Johnny Mitchell's song something about was it cut down the trees and put up a parking lot? But anyway, there's just one point, Tom, that I wanted to make. And climate is going to change. We may have some control over it, but we do. What we do have control over is our waters, the oceans and the streams. And mm-hmm. I don't think enough emphasis is being put on that because there's just, you know, it's you know, the coal-fired plants in China are putting heavy metal into the air and dropping into the ocean and you know they and mercury does never go away you know it gets moved up the food chain and and you know there's a lot of things that but what you know what we should concentrate on is what we do have control over <laughs> okay what would you suggest john well, there's you know the the you know, agricultural runoff, the the uh, you know the the pollutants that go into the air that fall into the ocean, um, and of course you can remember back when before people started realizing that uh, you know the Love Canal or uh, uh, Ewing Carbide you know completely poisoned the Erie River, and you know they finally woke up and changed that. But there's still a lot of things that we do have control over uh, to clean up our waterways and the oceans. Well, there's one simple solution that ever state should do is have a lot more percolating ponds. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we could probably save 20% of the water that runs into the ocean in less than two years if okay. we had. Well, we've got we've, we've only got about one minute in this segment. We'll we'll finish up and uh, we won't really go out. But uh, Tom, we told you it was going to be controversial, didn't we? <laughs> I know, but I just I think we're wherever you're going. Let's go back to Richard Nixon and the Clean Water Act. Yeah, and that's basically the the bedrock of where we're yeah. at right now. Just yeah. enforce it. Yeah, just enforce it. Right. Okay. Well, Tom, thank okay. you. I'll tell you, if it wasn't guys like you, we wouldn't have nothing right yeah, okay. now. Well, anyway, guys, we're gonna we're gonna take another three minute break, and we're gonna have it just for a couple of minutes, and we'll let Tom uh, kind of finish up with this. But you are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to the website, listen to the show. It's right on the front page as many times as you want, and uh, find out about some of our trips. We're looking December first to Cuba, end of September to Baja, and uh, Go to the website, Fish on Talk Radio. A few years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. 
Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through Aftco. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for Aftco at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we have Frank Selby, our perennial host, co-host, and Tom Raftikin, who is uh, um, the Sport Fishing Conservancy. Did I get it right that time, Tom? Uh, that's right. <laughs> okay. We've been doing it for a while now, over yeah. a decade, actually. Yeah, no, you've been doing a fantastic job. And, of course, throughout the show, we've been going back and forth and trying to avoid too much controversy. But, hey, you know, that's what can we say? Express your opinion. but yeah. uh, Or at least get involved one way or another. Just get involved. And, uh, Tom, if you want to take a, a minute or two to, you know, to, to talk a little bit about what the Conservancy is doing. Yeah. Uh, we've only got about a minute and a half. Okay. Um, one of the projects we've doing this summer is, 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 you know, there are a thousand different places around the United States that, that take kids out fishing every summer. Oh, yeah. And the unfortunate part is usually they're one and done. Uh, the kids get a chance to get out and go fishing one time, and because of that, they get enjoyed. They have a great time. But after that, if they're really lucky, they may get to get it, to get taken out again the following year. What we've been trying to do is we put together something in conjunction with the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation out of Washington, D.C., and we're trying to put in a thing called uh, the Fishing Triple Play. And what we do is 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 schedule kids to go out fishing three times during the course of, and again, from the spring mm-hmm. to summer into the early fall, but get them out in the water more than one time, give them different information each time, 
get them so that they're fishing and can catch fish each time so that they, first of all, enjoy it, they have some fun, and then second of all, learn a little bit about the sport, learn a little bit about conservation, learn about how, how they can really get engaged in it, and then finally, um, training the trainer how these kids can actually start to give us a hand the following year and, and again orient those kids the next group of kids into doing the same thing that's great to find out when we get the kids more one, engaged in the sport then it works much one, better one, one quick comment is that uh, um, instead of watching nature on your uh, video screen uh, it's a lot different to get out there and and, and appreciate it because you can't you can't watch enough videos or movies to really appreciate it. And when you can smell the trees and the you know hear the water and get uh, your hands and feet wet, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And see a kid smile for the first fish he ever caught is mm-hmm. something that you'll unbelievable. Never I was with a bunch of kids on the Belmont Pier down in Long Beach uh, last month. And it was just amazing watching those kids bring in those fish, and it was it was it was just awesome. Oh yeah, just awesome. Yeah, well, time as you know, we used to do the, the kids fishing tournament, and it's it's funnier than uh-huh. these these little you know five six year old girls that would they'd pull it up and they'd they'd be squeezing the kid, take it over and and, and get it checked in, and then they'd be releasing the boys. <laughs> yeah, and they'd take it over and get it checked in, and they'd be squeezing at them with both hands, and you know, and it's wiggling around, and they're it's, it's pretty funny but it's yeah. it's uh it, it really yeah. does and you know people get do that and we get a lot of calls when we kept doing this well, you know we got to we really enjoyed that it's a family thing and it really should be a family thing tom right absolutely um it was interesting that the, the group that we took out um in july was a church group and a lot of the families were together it wasn't just the kids it was mm-hmm. the kids and some uh and and Moms, dads, or brothers who could, yeah. you know, be, basically be with the kids and chaperone them. Yeah. And it it, it really was a funny story. I'm walking down the pier, and this kid goes, "Oh, I, you know, I, I put my fishing rod down." I said, "Hey, don't worry, we'll find you another fishing rod." I'm walking down, and I see this guy fishing on the side of the pier. And I said, "Hey, excuse me, sir, this this boy would like to use a fishing rod. Can you?" He goes, "Dad, his dad had grabbed the fishing rod and was fishing from the pier." And I was like, "I, yeah. I actually came back and got his rod back." So yeah, it, it, it's a family deal. Yeah. No, that's great, and yeah. that's that's it. Really, it's a tradition. And I, I don't know, Tom, if if the angling sport is increasing or decreasing. I know a lot more women are getting involved, but we don't have time to go into that now. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Please go to fishhunttalkradio.com. Listen to the show and uh, be t- uh, make sure you pay attention to our recipes and the uh, real fun adventures. We just got back from Alaska. We got a trip uh, coming up at the end of September, and then we're going to Cuba in December. Stay tuned. Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. This is John Hennig, and welcome to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, we have with us today Frank Selby, of course, our host, co-host sometimes, or either one, and then uh, Tom Raptikin from the Sport Fishing Conservancy on. And we've had, well, the first hour is a little bit controversial, but I, you know, nobody yelled at each other. <laughs> but uh, there are different opinions, that's for sure. And 
problem is, is that you know the whole thing gets, gets so charged with uh, uh, opinions. But uh, we're not going to talk about that now. We covered that. Um, but uh, Tom, a quick question for you: sure. um, commercial or uh, well, commercial fishing in particular, but farm raising fish. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Because you hear about these pins and the Atlantic, we're using the Atlantic salmon where the fish are pooping on each other and polluting the ocean. Um, and then there are yeah, some of well, the... Well, yeah. hey, you know, before we talk about science, yeah. okay? Yeah. When you start doing the science on it, look at all of the science, look at the juried science on it, and yeah. then find out what actually happens and yeah. not... You were talking before really about emotion and yeah. how emotion right. really comes back with all of these answers. Right. And, and that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. When you take a look at the jury science on mm-hmm. this, fish farming has been very, very effective, that, mm-hmm. that the problems have been minimal. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is this is a growing, you know, anytime you take something like this on, I mean, it's an industry. Yeah. But, you know, there are 8 million people in the world today. Yeah. Uh, we're having a problem feeding all of them. And yep. two-thirds of the Earth's surface is covered with what? Yeah. <laughs> roads. I mean, roads. the answer roads, is easy. Yeah. Now, yeah. the trick is to do it well. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, the trick is to do it well. Yeah. And I, I've got friends that, uh, Dr. Dallas Weaver in particular, uh, he's run the state's um, uh, the disease model that, that looks yeah. at, at fish farming. Right. I mean, he's very well vetted in this. Okay, we got about ten uh, seconds, Tom. Go ahead. Uh, and let's let's do it right. And yeah. let, let's get on with it, and let's make it financially viable for those yep. people yep. who are doing it. Okay, good answer. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back and uh, see who we can get on the line with this. You're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to fishhunttalkradio.com. The Soft Science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft Science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin fishing shoes and boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. 
It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. Alaskan RV Butler. Guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler. Like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV. View the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife. Or fish for the big one. All while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouth-watering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. Fishman, if fish anywhere, anywhere there's water, love knows he'll be there. He's just like a gypsy, mighty hard to hold. Great American fisherman got fishing in his soul. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we still have um, Frank Selby, who's uh, his and her fly shop, a world-renowned fly angler. And, yeah, he's proven it to me that it works. And then we also have Tom Raftikin. I'm not sure what your actual title is, but uh, you're primarily responsible for the Sport Fishing Conservancy, Tom. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm the president of the Sport Fishing Conservancy. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right then. And we also have another good friend of ours who makes this incredible product. Um, And fortunately, because we put him on the air a few times, he's given me some samples. But they don't seem to last long because people keep either begging for them or stealing them. And that is, uh, he has a company called AO Coolers. And Brian, instead of me telling people about it, why don't you tell us about it? All right. Uh, thanks, John. Um, well, uh, American Outdoors, AO Coolers, uh, we've been in business for uh, 26 years. We're kind of the, the innovator of the, uh, you know, high-density closed cell, you know, high-end cooler that is kind of taking over the, the market now. Um, there's a lot of them out there now, but we're kind of the pioneers uh, of it all. Um, so a couple of new things that uh, we've started doing right now is um, Mossy Oak came out with uh, a new camouflage. I don't know if some people are familiar with it, but it's called the uh, Elements. And so everyone kind of knew Mossy Oak was, was involved with hunting and everything like that. Uh, they saw a big market into uh, fishing, so they came out with patterns that fishermen can use uh, to help them, you know, catch fish or just uh, be better uh, in the fishing environment. Mm-hmm. So they have about 15 different patterns that they came out with, um, and we chose two of them. Uh, one is going to be the uh, the elements uh, bluefin. Uh, and the other one is the manta. So the blue fin is kind of like a, a blue-gray uh, looking camouflage, and the manta is like a, uh, a gray-white uh, camouflage. Um, they came out with them last year. Um, we're one of the first cooler companies to uh, take it on uh, and start selling it. Uh, sales are going uh, great, um, but, but it's nice. It kind of you know gave a different 
camouflage and look to the fishermen uh, that I think uh, was a, was a void in the in the uh, market. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, can I jump in here for a second? Please, Tom. I've got a stand-up paddleboard, and you know what? That would be awesome on on the stand-up paddleboard. It, it you know the bottom of the board's kind of camel, and you you know you, I, I fish on it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I fish standing up on it. But have you know? We usually have a, a, a cooler on there uh, instead of a seat. To, you know, to, to balance it out and sit it down. But, but having that in, in a camel pattern, you know, break up the lines, and, and that's a really oh. cool thing. Uh, well, good going there, Tom. Another thing in those soft-sided coolers, they don't slide around. Uh, you know, it just sits right, like almost like a uh, vacuum. Well, you know, kind of, kind of like a, 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 you know, what do they call them? A sack. The, anyway, a canvas a bean bag. bag chair. Be, uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. like that because once you put the weight in our coolers, and since they're pliable, it kind of forms to the board or anything. Mm-hmm. And also with our yeah. coolers, they have tie downs, so you can tie it down uh, onto the board uh, and everything. Um, but the pattern is is, is real neat. Um, uh, right now, you can get them at Sportsman Warehouse and West Marine. will also be carrying them in about a month or so, uh, um, and we'll uh, have them in all home, different home, uh, sizes. Didn't Home Depot have them also? Well, they're not going to have the Elements. The oh, okay. Elements are only yeah. available in those two stores, Sportsman okay. Warehouse and West Marine. Those are the only okay. two stores that we're starting out with. We'll bring on more stores probably next year, um, but these are the two stores that signed up with us uh, to kind of get them out there. Well, Tom, uh, West, West Marine's been looking for a camouflage for a long time, and obviously they're not involved in hunting. So when this fishing camouflage came out, uh, they jumped on it, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But everyone's very excited about it. Tom, let me tell you a quick story. Um, I've got a backpack and a, uh, I don't know, is it a 36-quart, Brian? I'm not sure which. But, yeah, you have a 36 But But uh, the 36, the, the you can use it as a carry-on. Mm-hmm. And with a backpack, you can put twenty pounds of frozen fillets. And More. twenty. Well, I, well yeah. You well, yeah. The, the thirty-six pack, you can actually put fifty pounds of frozen fillets yep. in there, and that's what a lot of people do when they go down mm-hmm. to Mexico. They catch their fish, they put it in our cooler, holds fifty pounds. So that's kind of the limit on the airlines, and then they bring it back, and then they don't have to pay for a cooler coming back. Well, the, right. but, but I, I was getting to that um, with the uh, if you use your uh, soft set a cooler as a carry-on, you know, if it's full, 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 you're pushing the limits of the size and, and the weight. But uh, the backpack, because you, you're allowed to take a carry-on plus a personal item, which yep. is a backpack. So you can bring back, you know, 50, 60 pounds without checking any luggage. Yeah, it works great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so one of the the other it's kind of two big news is uh, going on with us. Uh, the other big news is um, our factory that was building our coolers for us in Tennessee. We actually acquired and purchased that factory uh, two two months ago. Good, fro. Congratulations, Brian. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So now we have. Made in, made in the USA. Um, it's going to be a different name company. It's called Hatch Coolers, um, and those will be all our coolers that will be made in the, uh, in the U.S. 
Um, and this company that we acquired, they were the absolute original maker of these coolers. They've been mm-hmm. making these coolers over 32 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so when anyone goes back and says who started making these you know, high-quality soft coolers, the company that we purchased were the first ones to make it because I, mm-hmm. no one was making these coolers 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it, was, uh, it was good. It's exciting. We've been working with them, like I said, for about 25 years. Um, but we, we finally closed the deal two months ago. Um, and, you know, people start seeing them more and more, and we'll be changing the website and everything. But mm-hmm. we're excited to purchase them and now uh, help out, you know, help well, our economy there, and have some U.S. You made. Know, there, there are other people making them. And the one that I think that everybody is familiar with starts with a Y. I'm not going to say it. Oh, but, yeah. But and, they're, and, and they're, there's a lot of people now, but all those people started making them, <laughs> you know, five or six years ago. Yeah. You know, we were making these 30 years ago. Well, I, I was going to I was going to say they're good quality. There's no question about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But they're, Absolutely. they're, they're, they're been great for the but, industry. But it's they're been great for the industry. But they're more than twice the price, maybe three times the price. Yeah, our ours our start out pricing at $49 and go up to $200, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and even with our U.S. made coolers, our 24 pack U.S. made cooler uh, is $79. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good for U.S. made. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and it's you know the, I think uh, you know the, the Coleman coolers and those types of things are, you know, you put it on the boat, they slide around. Yeah, you can sit on it if you want to. Of course, if you get a, hit a swell, you're going to slide across the boat. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've had that happen to me. But uh, um, but you know they're just it's, it's so efficient. It's 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 definitely and anytime I always say that when you buy anything, what it is uh, that you're going to be using. I mean, it's, you, when you buy equipment, it doesn't make any difference what you pay for it because if it doesn't work, you threw your money away. Mm-hmm. And, Can and, I jump and then, in for a second? Sure. I use that backpack all the time on one of the boats mm-hmm. when I'm going out. Mm-hmm. I freeze up four bottles of water and put it in the backpack. Mm-hmm. And I put about four regular waters. Mm-hmm. And then I take Ziploc bags. So as soon as we catch our fish, we just fillet them out and put them in the Ziploc bags and drop them in there. Yeah. Freezer bags, I call them. Yeah, well, once and they're... it's the best thing I have ever had. Yeah. And I stand behind saying yeah. it yeah. is okay. the most easiest one to use. And it stays the Perfect. All right. Well, we're getting close on time, Brian. So um, give us some information because I know you can sell them online. You mentioned a couple of different places you can buy them. Repeat that. Uh, so the uh, West Marine uh, and uh, Sportsman Warehouse, uh, they sell basically all our coolers, but those are going to be the two stores that sell yeah. the new Mossy Oak Element okay. uh, coolers. Uh, and then you can go onto our website, aocoolers.com, uh, uh, and check out all our coolers. Uh, and then the new uh, company, Hatch Coolers, is hatchcoolers.com. And uh, we're still working on that website to get stuff going. But just go to, um, but, yeah, but go, you can go on there and look at it and stuff, and you can buy yeah. stuff uh, so from that's that. And, and that factory, right. everything is made in the U.S. So America American Outdoors, AOCoolers.com. AOCoolers.com. And, uh, and uh, you know, you might even, hey, uh, uh, if they uh, mentioned uh, Fish Hunt Talk Radio, I'm sure Brian will give you a deal. Absolutely. If they mention Fish Talk Radio, we'll give 10% off at wow, the okay. AOCoolers or the HatchCoolers.com. Brian, thank you very much. We appreciate that, and you're going to have to take a break. Uh, thanks for coming on with us, Brian. Yeah. 
The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month, and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com, and start getting your packages every month. This is John, and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal, and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. You can't catch fish. 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 No, 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 no. You can't catch fish. No, 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 You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. I got a little story about a city boy that came to Wisconsin up from Illinois so he can enter. The big fish contest, it's a thousand bucks cash for the biggest and the best, but I told him, guy, you're making a mistake. You don't stand a chance catching fish on the slate, cause hey, you can pray you want to wish. But let me tell you something, guy, you can't fish. I told you there, guy. Can't catch fish. What do you think you're doing? Can't catch fish. For tripe's sake. You can't catch fish. Go back to Illinois, hey. Can't catch fish. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and of course, we have Frank Selby and Tom Raftikin is still with us for a little bit. And uh, Tom is the president president of the Sport Fishing Conservancy and doing a fantastic job. I wish I had more time to talk to you about what all you guys are doing. Um, but we kind of left off a little bit by talking about commercial and uh, fishing and farm-raised uh, fishing. And I think, Tom, you're, you know, you have to take it on an individual basis because some are better than others. I know we do get a lot of uh, seafood out of uh, Indochina, which is mostly farm-raised, isn't it? Let me, let me say something first of all. Um, I, I sat on the Marine Fish Advisory Committee and Secretary of Commerce in the United States mm-hmm. for six years, mm-hmm. and we advised... Uh, and it really was through NOAA Fisheries. Um, Eric Schwab was the, the administrative assistant for NOAA Fisheries at the time. But 
you get to see a lot of what goes on, on the inside and what actually goes on and, and their their work trying to ensure quality um, product. Mm -hmm. And and the United States does a, overall, on a grand scale, a really, really good job of managing our, our mm -hmm. ocean fisheries. Not perfect, okay, yeah. but a really good job. Uh, clearly leading the world. I think right. some of the European nations are, are, are probably in the ballpark with it, but we're the best out there. Yeah, that's and great. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's good to know. And, and like I said, that doesn't mean things are perfect. We have eight regional fishery management councils, and, and those take on regional fisheries. And mm -hmm. you've got uh, North Pacific, which is basically okay. Alaska. You've got the Pacific, which is um, Idaho, Washington, okay. Oregon, and California. West Pacific is Hawaii, mm -hmm. and then uh, four on the East Coast. So, you know, each area handles its own. There are, are, are problems in each that are unique to those areas, and they try and get the best expertise and right. really do a good job of, of, you know, on a grand scale, we're doing, our country is doing a good job. Hey, of Tom, Tom, I have a question for you. I mean, obviously, wild king salmon from Alaska would be my favorite, but uh, it's not always easy to get. Uh, now, the Atlantic salmon, is that a separate species from salmon? Because that's usually what you get in a restaurant. Yeah. That was a big. Um, I, you know, I, I'm the wrong one to ask a question about very specific fish, unless you're talking about some surf fish or, yeah. or, or right, there you go. Shore in Southern oh, California or in Florida or, or yeah. some on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, you know, salmon. The U.S. is doing its best to manage salmon. I yeah. would guess that they probably spend more money yeah. uh, research and managing salmon yeah. than anything else, period. Well, um, most, say most all restaurants, when you order salmon, it's Atlantic, uh, it's Atlantic salmon. But uh, guess what, guys? Um, we're going to change the subject because we have Jason Johnson. And I, I, well, somebody's got some noise in the background. Uh, Jason Johnson, and he is uh, in uh, uh, Greensburg, Kansas. Uh, Jason, give us a little bit of an idea about what you do back there. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. So uh, our business is all about Upland Game Bird Research, where we're looking at ways to reverse the decline in Upland Game Birds. And wow. if you look nationally, we've lost about 80% of our Upland Game Birds in the last 40 years. Really? That kind of core area of where you have a stronghold continues to shrink. Uh, shrink. So we partner with a lot of different universities that have wildlife programs and grad students within those programs that are working on ways to increase upland game birds. So of our 12,000 acres, about 4,500 of it's in the CRP program, which is mm -hmm. the Conservation Reserve Program, where they pay you to plant native grass, things that oh. are good for uh, erosion, good for wildlife, mm -hmm. and certainly kind of the backbone of upland game birds is, is, uh, up, is uh, well, Jason, I, I had no idea it was that critical. Uh, but is it, in your opinion, is it because of habitat overhunting or what's causing this? Well, certainly habitat loss would be your biggest uh, biggest factor of it. I think there's some other things that go into play, and it's kind of the 80-20 rule where there's probably, uh, you know, 50 different things and 10 of them are, you know, 80% of your issue. Yeah. You know, you think about uh, not only habitat, but, you know, we only have about 5% of the trappers that we did back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And you think of every nest predator out there, your coon skunks, possums, mm -hmm. armadillos, things like that, that, you know, when they find a nest, they destroy the whole thing. But, mm -hmm. 
you can you can mitigate some of that by having great habitat and mass amounts of it where you know if you have narrow strips it's easier for a mammalian predator to find it up on game bird nests mm-hmm. where if it's in big blocks like we do where you're yeah. at least a half mile by a half mile it's much uh, more difficult for them yeah avian predators uh certainly a bigger issue i was at a conference a few years ago and they talked about the avian predator population going up seven to ten percent every year you know, they have no natural predators. You can't mm-hmm. legally uh, shoot them. Um, you've got, uh, you know, they're, they're the bottom of the food chain, so there's just a lot of things stacked against them. Okay. Now, I got a question real quick. Sure. Kansas is still, they don't take much money from the government. Am I right or wrong? Correct. Um, now, you know, you get, you know, your conservation program is a federal program, and, and they will, that they'll they'll pay you money not to farm it and keep it in uh, in some kind of you know erosion control with the original plans for it, but a lot of it has to do with habitat. But yeah. you know, my thought is it's it's better to get a value from that than paying some of the subsidies they do when people continue to farm more and more ground and there's a, a surplus and they have safety nets and things like that, that uh, it'd be better to me to put it into something that you help your rural communities mm-hmm. by having hunters come in and, and support them and, and kind of grow uh, yeah. their overall macroeconomics. Yeah, I mean, hunters and fishermen, they, they, they put a lot of money into the, you know, to the local areas. Um, Absolutely. But what about uh, quail, deer, turkey, and pheasant that you, uh, that you also deal in? So our, kind of our primary business is around up on game birds. Now, so many of the things we do habitat-wise are also good for your your deer, your turkeys. And in our part of the world, rain makes birds, and it also makes Bob big White. antler development. Boy, we've seen more big deer this year than we've ever seen. And I think a lot of that's just because for we're almost mid-August now, and things are as green and lush as I've ever seen. Oh, well, good for um, you. I mean, it is uncommon for me to see four or five hundred and sixty plus class deer uh, every uh, every day. And of course, right now wow. they've got some velvet on still, and that's uh, that always makes them look a little bigger. But uh, boy, there's some nice deer out here this year too. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody wants to come down to Kansas and, and you know and uh, take advantage of uh, uh, the deer, the or um, turkey or pheasants, how how would that happen? Well, one of the nice things about Kansas is we, I think we're in the bottom five of states as far as public hunting lands, but the the state does a good job. They have a program called the walk-in hunting uh, areas where they have over a million acres of private ground lease that people can come and hunt on like it's a public ground. Of course, yeah, you know, there's a lot of pressure on those areas and things, and and, uh, you know, they can find us online at uh, uplandinhunts.com, kind of explains it. Again, our core business is kind of pheasant hunting. That's what our passion is. Uh, we do some deer hunts, uh, turkey hunts, dove hunts, a few quail hunts, things like that. And this is certainly be a good well, year to tell, make it just tell, because tell, it's tell, record highs. Tell us about your operation. Do you have a lodge? Do you just do, do you have hunting guides? Or how, how does it work if somebody wants to come and visit you? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of a full-service deal where somebody comes out here, we have uh, very nice modern lodges. We've got three different lodges. All of them have premium-quality mattresses, linens, heating, massaging couches, pool table, shuffleboard. Uh, as far as meals, we'll have 25-ounce prime ribeyes one of the nights. There you go. Up to percent of the uh, oh, world's meat. Fresh homemade pies after every meal, breakfast buffet. Wow. Um, so a typical day would be most of our groups show up the afternoon or evening before the first day of hunting. 
Uh, we will uh, have some refreshments that evening, eat dinner. About 8.30 the next morning, we'll head out to the field. Uh, on a good year like this, usually we have our, our limit of four roosters a day, and Kansas is the highest in the nation wow. uh, for four roosters a day. And wow. uh, we'll go back, have lunch. After that, a lot of times we'll go out to the skeet range and have some friendly competitions. Some of our customers like to predator hunt. Or we don't charge for that. Uh, and then uh, come back and kind of repeat everything again. Wow. Uh, you know, unlike some places where they're very rigid, where customers have to come and take these three or four days, we have people come as little as one day and as many as five days. So yeah. you kind of get to choose your own adventure. Well, you're you're in Greensburg. Uh, if you want to get there, you know, obviously you can drive. But, you know, if you're from farther away. Is California. It easy to, yeah, from California. Is it easy to fly there? Where do you fly into? Yeah, so we get a lot of customers. I think last year we had customers from 48 different states and two foreign countries. Uh, Wichita, Kansas Airport, we're about an hour and a half straight west of that. Okay. Um, so most of our customers fly into that. You can also fly into Dodge City, which is only about 45 miles west of our, us. But they only have a couple flights a day, puddle yeah. jumpers that go go to Denver. Yeah. Uh, so I got one. a couple different ways to get here. Okay, we only got about a minute. Go ahead. I, I got a one quick question. You have a double season on deer, right? One around September and then one in November or December. What is it? Well, we technically have three seasons. We have an, an archer, a muzzleloader season, an archery season, a rifle season. Our rifle season is only 10 days long, and it runs to Wednesday after Thanksgiving for 10 days. Kansas is a draw state where you've got to apply for a tag in April, and you either get drawn or you don't. Sometimes there's some leftover permits that go fairly quick, but it's not like some states where you can just buy it over the counter. You really got to plan ahead to do a deer hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what kind of deer do you hunt? Uh, whitetail. We're mm -hmm. we're about 95% whitetail, 5% muleys. Uh, most of the muleys are about another hour west of us. Yeah. Okay. The whitetails continue to kind of push them further right. and further west. Okay. Now your uh, your website. I've got it written down, but it seems a little confusing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so the whole concept of it was, you know, Upland Gamebird, so Upland and then an inn, I-N-N, uh, you know, place you stay, with good camaraderie. Oh, okay. And, Upland, and, uh, so okay. Uh, Upland, Upland Inn, yeah, I-N-N, yeah. uh, hunt.com. Okay. Yeah, okay. When I was looking at it, what the heck is that? So it's it's Upland and then in like a lodge, and then hunts.com. Correct. And they okay. can also reach me anytime at 316-250-3038. And I'm always happy to talk to okay. people about Okay. Now, if you didn't uh, get that phone number, go to fishhunttalkradio.com and listen to it as many times as you want. And this time, pay attention and take notes. Uh, we, we appreciate that, Jason. And uh, we'll be right back with Fish Hunt Talk Radio. A few years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. If you think that'll help, you're in for a surprise, cause money. Can't buy school, you know the guys and me. We can catch a at will against Shad Rap. You ain't no match. Fish are just something that you can't catch. For crying out loud, guy. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. You can't catch fish. Built a tug on the line and I didn't pay attention. Spinning I was staring at a 10-pound shiny bass When I tried to pull the fish inside I pulled a muscle in my upper thigh I was so scared I threw my rod up in the air Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and uh, Tom Raftikin, president of the Sport Fishing Conservancy, has to go fishing, so he's bailed on us. But, uh, oh, well, what can I say? But Frank Selby is still with us, and um, we weren't planning on it, but Jason was so interesting. We're going to bring him on into this segment also. Um, I didn't, I never met him. I didn't know anything about him, but I'm, I'm learning quickly. Um, Jason, we were talking about, well, actually, like the theme was conservation, and when you brought up some of the stuff you were talking about, uh, I found that very interesting. And it, uh, again, you know, it sounds like, you know, the decline in, in game has a lot to do with uh, uh, the lack of, uh, you know, wilderness areas. Yeah, certainly if you uh, you look back in the, the prime of up on game birds, it was when you had the most, uh, well, farmers were smaller, so you, you had a lot more edge habitat, native grasses, weedy areas, things like that. As farmers continue to get bigger and bigger, and they're kind of forced to just with farm economics, you know, now they kind of farm fence row to fence row, very little habitat left for birds. And a lot of people say, gosh, there's corn, there's beans, there's everything they need around here, but that's only a 
a part of the habitat they use, you know, slightly in the morning, slightly in the evening. They really need those areas that have native grass, some shrubby structure, some kind of weedy areas, nesting brooding areas. Uh, so you're only as good as your weakest link. So you really need them all, and you need them all close together. Well, you're talking about upland birds, which like basically you're talking about partridges, right? In, no, uh, we're talking about uh, pheasant, quail, and okay. in our part of the world. Now, upland game birds as a category can include those. They can include yeah. chucker. They Chuckers, can include yeah. other things. But in Kansas, you're mainly talking about pheasant, quail, prairie chickens, things like that. Well, I don't know. I went and a few woodcocks. Because I've been chucker hunting, and yeah, you're, you know, on the kind of the base of the hills, climbing over rocks, and it's it's it's, it, you know, you got to be yeah, in pretty you, good shape to do that. You won't have that issue here. Our, our biggest hill we call Mount Greensburg is about 20 foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Hills of yeah. Kansas. That's right, Mount Greensburg. Yeah. 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 Than My sister loves it there. Yeah. Now, on your property, do you grow corn or grain uh, to farm or to feed? Well, I don't actually do any farming ourselves. So in every CRP field I have, we have pivot irrigated corn or beans around us. Out here, you know, we're arid, so to grow any kind of corn or beans, you have to have pivot irrigation. And basically, that's where you have a center pivot that goes a quarter mile around it, and it takes about three days to completely go uh, a full circle, and you mm-hmm. can put about an inch of rain on it. Yeah. Your dry land, you can grow things dry land. That would be more of your milo and your wheat. Uh, we've got a little alfalfa and, and things like that around, too. But your primary crops, if it's irrigated, are going to be corn and beans. And if it's dry land, it's going to be milo or wheat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Soybeans? Yep, soybeans. Yep, that's going to be an irrigated crop. And yeah. it's about 50-50 is between corn and soybeans on your irrigated ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. But which is very good for up on game birds. Uh, again, they use that part of the day, but, you know, you need a food source for them. We plant a lot of food plots in our CRP. Generally, they'll plant milo, uh, but uh, they'll also utilize the corn, beans, milo, and wheat that are around us. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier, I don't know if we were on the air or off, but you mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, seeing... Uh, was it what the limit on on uh, pheasant uh, roosters is how much what was it yeah four a day, four a day. most yeah. states are two or three yeah. uh, Kansas has the highest limit in the nation and those are uh, uh, we also have the longest season so we okay. always open the second Saturday in November and we run through January 31st mm-hmm. and those are ringnecks those are ringneck pheasants correct mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna have in the United States yeah well, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, we don't have a lot of pheasant where I live. And, uh, you know, if you're allowed to ship pheasant, uh, we've got to work something out because I love pheasant. Yeah, they're certainly a tasty meal. Uh, most up on gamers are. It's a, you know, quail is one of your wider meat up on game birds. Pheasants mm-hmm. are, are somewhere in between that, like a duck and a goose, and mm-hmm. kind of a dark meat chicken I'd compare it to, but very tasty. Mm-hmm. And, the only uh, thing I ask, if you get a few backs of the pheasant when you skim Oh, he's a fly tire. Put them in a box and ship them to me yeah. at his and hers. Yeah, he's a... And you're going you're gonna to give me a commission off all those flies you're selling, right? Well, yeah, but he almost... I'll, I'll sure. send you some flies to catch bass in the ponds with them. And I guarantee you I'll fish any spinner guy with the crawdad pattern. <clears throat> See, I like catching. I don't like fishing. If it's not active, I kind of lose interest. Well, I, not, I, I, can, I, can I, 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 I have to admit, I'm, you know, um, fishing is, you need to be very patient, and I am not patient at all. 
And, uh, and that's one of the great things about up on game bird hunting is, uh, you know, you're walking, you're seeing the dogs. You don't necessarily have to be quiet like deer hunting. So you're yeah. talking to your buddy, you know, deer hunting where you're sitting by yourself and, uh, you know, all that. It, I can lose interest fairly quick. Same as, same with fishing if the action's not good. Well, that's another question for you. Do you have dogs uh, on your hunts? Yeah, so we, we've got 28 different bird dogs. We I'm a pointing dog guy, so we've got a lot of English pointers, German short hairs, mm-hmm. setters, Brittany's. We do have some labs. That's if Anybody that's up on game bird to any extent, that's one of the biggest joys of seeing the passion yeah. and drive that a oh, bird yeah, dog the, has. The dog's circling around and then, and then you know, yelping and, 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 oh, and stopping and pointing them out. they get when you get into birds. I mean, it's, it's something, if you had that passion as a human, yeah. there'd be nothing that would stop you in life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they love that. And, Do but, you have you know, a but, lot of farm ponds on your property? You know, we're fairly we're fairly sandy out here, and uh, we don't have a whole lot of standing water. You go about yeah. 30 miles of east of us, and you get into some running creeks and stuff, but there's not a running uh, creek in the county anymore unless you get a really oh. heavy rain. Mm-hmm. And part of that's from all the pivot irrigation, you know, the Ogala Aquifer that we're, we're over is kind of dropping, and uh, a lot of the well, springs you had back uh, 40 years ago uh, aren't running anymore. Well, an observation, because I've, I've, you know, a lot of places I haven't been still on the list, and yours is one of them. But it sounds like, you know, pheasant hunting has got to be one of the most uh, sought-after game birds that there is. I think yeah. it's number one now. You know, yeah. quail was back yeah. in the day, but quail hunting shrunk so much. Uh, you know, part of the problem just as a hunter in general is our average age of a hunter is getting older and older, and yeah. it's hard to get kids involved, and there's several reasons for that. It's hard to find a place to go. you got to pay a lot of times to go. It's not cheap. Um, and, you know, kids, there's so many more things to do than when I was a kid that uh, you better get them into birds because if you try to go on some public ground and you're walking half a day and, and not seeing many birds, they're going to lose interest and rather get back on their, their iPhone or their yeah, computer. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. My right. favorite thing in Kansas was in the winter after the first snow with a single shot 22 hunting oh, yeah, rabbit. Oh, rabbit, pheasant. Oh. You could just see everything when you get a little snow on the ground. Yeah, no, yeah. pheasants are, but they're crafty birds. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's really why you need a dog. You can be walking, you know, through a cornfield that's been harvested, um, or even just a field that's, uh, you know, that's been cut with, uh, you know, with grass, and they'll kind of hide hide in underneath it. And you know, they they might sit there, and and you almost have to kick them to get them to fly. Yeah, they're they're going to spend ninety nine percent of their life on the ground. The only reason they'll fly is to escape, you know, death. And yeah. so, yeah. without a good dog, they can run around you, run in between them. You know, certainly in cornfields where it's fairly open, they're going to run all the way to the end. And you know, a lot of places you go, uh, they'll put you in cornfields, and you'll have drivers that'll kind of push all the birds to the end and blockers. Yeah. You know, we we like to see more dog work, so most of our hunting's in the CRP. Well, they'll still run some, but they're not going to run a half mile uh, through our thick native CRP. Well, it, it is. You get a lot more points. Uh, it it dog is. Work. Yeah, it is very exciting when you're walking a field with a dog, especially if you you know, not that many people out there, unless they live in a region like yours, have their own hunting dogs. But if you yeah, go out well, there, it's hard to have years, a good yeah. bird dog unless you got the birds to hunt them with. So, yep. And yep. you uh, see fewer and fewer of them. Mm-hmm. 
But, uh, you know, it's it's so exciting to be walking, a, you know, four or six abreast and, uh, you know, walking through a field and the dogs are out running around, uh, pointing them out to you. And even sometimes when they point them out to you, the birds don't fly. Oh, yeah, they'll, they've already moved and run. And, yeah. boy, you uh, you see a dog in full stride and hits scent and just slams on the brake, tail sticking straight up. Uh, that'll really... Yeah. Um, Make the bug boy. Yeah, well, I think a, pheas- a pheasant can probably outrun a dog. Those things are fast. And that, not only that, it seems like they, when they make a turn, it's like they hit a wall and bounce. All this, you know, they'd be running full speed, and all of a sudden they make a 90-degree turn and, and they go the other way. Yeah, occasionally somebody will knock one down in a shorter wheat field where you can see the bird, and if he if he isn't completely dead, he'll take off running, the dog will take off running, and it, it's a race. They can certainly run faster than any kind of human. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exciting stuff. So you know, and it sounds like if again, if people are interested in that, uh, from from the limited experience I've had on the radio and talking about pheasant hunting, uh, it sounds like you know, to um, to a pheasant hunter, you're nirvana. Well, it's certainly a great year to do it. You know, not all years are this good, but uh, again, four wet years in a row where you've had great nesting and reproduction success. And, yeah. You know, you talk about the biology of a game bird, and they're an 80 percent mortality species, meaning only 20 percent ever make it to the next year to have a chance to breed oh, and reproduce. Okay. okay. And if the hen does lay a nest, over 50 percent of them are dep- depredated or abandoned. Yeah. And if she does have a successful brood, over 50 percent of the chicks die within the first four weeks. So yeah. it really shows that if you don't have really good nesting and reproduction, how right. your population can plummet. And right. Of course, South Dakota went through that the last couple of years where their population has dropped okay. over 50 percent. Well, and, we're, uh, we're down to about 20 seconds. So let's just repeat uh, one more time. Uh, we have Jason Johnson and uh, it's Upland in inn hunts.com and what is the name of your operation yeah uplandinhunts.com okay and uh again if you get our website uh you can see pictures of our habitat our lodges our research okay. our bird dogs gives yeah. people great things we want well, to make sure it sounds to me like you're doing a great thing in uh, propagating and protecting and giving everybody the opportunity to uh to get out and enjoy it so really appreciate that jason uh, hey, well, li- thanks for having me on. You, betcha. you are listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to the website, fishhuntterrigator.com, and listen to the show. The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin Fishing Shoes and Boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, Aftco makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says Aftco, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through Aftco. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for Aftco at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows 
wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. That's what I'm doing. Think about nothing, not even you. Catch me a big one, the fine speckled trout. Slapping in the water, I pull it right out. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan. We also have Frank Selby still with us, our host, co-host, uh, universally known, uh, world-recognized fly angler, fly tire, and he has uh, his and hers fly shop that they ship flies all over the world. So if anybody's interested, it's, uh, what is it, his and hers? His, his her website? fly fishing. His, her, fly fishing.com. Yeah. It's not his and hers. It's his, yeah. her. His and hers, his, flyfishing.com. His, so it's his and, with two S's, his and hers, flyfishing.com. And uh, check that out because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a people, people call him up from all over the world, you know, for specialty stuff because he makes everything in-house. Yeah, there's some going way, I forget exactly, I think. I know Belize. Uh, it's and, in the lower part of England. Uh, oh, yeah? Somebody ordered some for there. She's making them now to yeah. ship. Yeah. And uh, also, let's talk a bit about some of our real fun trips. We just got back from Alaska a week or two ago. And yeah. That was a fun trip. The fishing was slow, but we still I still managed to bring back a 50-pound box of fish. But, yeah. Uh, you know, the Me was 21 or 29. I, yeah. ju- I didn't keep some of the fish. Well. But I did keep all the halibut. There you go. up between our boats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you the truth, a commercial fisherman friend kind of uh, helped me out a little bit. Gave me a... Oh, uh, uh, probably 18-pound king salmon. The only problem was it's in my freezer, but it barely fit because it's all it's all one piece. <laughs> I got to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> so that helped a lot. But 
Uh, anyway, we have a trip coming up that we need to get people or say, yeah, 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 I want to go. But we need to get people that are ready to commit and send a yeah. deposit. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, these things take time to arrange. And also, uh, if you wait until the last couple of weeks or the last month, the airfare skyrockets. Yeah. So, so you need to get your airline ticket. Yep. And put a 30% prop deposit down. Well, at least, that, yeah, we need a hundred, couple hundred bucks deposit. But what's important to me is give me your flight schedule. That way I know you're serious. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with you, but uh, we should have a $200 deposit, and then uh, I'd like to see your airline flight schedule. Yeah. And then, Frank, yeah. uh, we've been talking about this for the last probably two years, about yeah. trying to put a trip together to Cuba. Yeah. And it's like, Everybody I talk to, Cuba, oh, count me in, count me in. Everybody wants to go, and for good reason. So what we're going to do is uh, Frank or Phil Thompson, Captain Phil Thompson, who spends probably a third of his time in Cuba, he lives in, lives in Key West, um, is putting it together. And we've got a 72-foot um, yacht and a fishing boat. So it's got, I think, I don't know, four fighting chairs. But we're going we're gonna to take that and drive it to Cuba. So we get there on the 1st, which is, I think, a Saturday. And then Sunday, we take off for, uh, for Havana, fishing on the way, and then spend a day in Havana. And then uh, um, two days blue water fishing and two days uh, flats fishing. Uh, and then we're going to be driving back, and uh, it's, so it'll be the first from the ninth is when you're going to be gone. Now, you know, it's, we're trying to keep the price down, and it's very reasonable, but it's still not cheap. But uh, if anybody's interested, uh, the boat will only it only has ten bucks. So we, uh, I think we've probably got four or five uh, already. So you know, you need to get in touch with us as soon as possible if you want to go. And so. Oh, looks like we're getting squeezed out of here, Frank. Thank you very yeah. much for joining us today. It was a fun show, and I learned a lot. Go to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Listen on the front page uh, to this show and as many shows as you uh, if you want to go back and do. There's some good stuff on there. Thank you, Frank. 